0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. It's a rainy Tuesday morning here in Lower Manhattan. There are so many sports radio shows out there, so many podcasts. We really appreciate you spending part of your Tuesday morning with us. Our man, J. Will, will be back with you tomorrow morning. Look forward to having the entire trio back. The Cowboys are looking forward to getting back on the field again and wiping whatever happened last night just Take it completely out. Short week, Washington football team in the division. Key, despite all of it, the loss to the Cardinals, the tying the worst ever loss at AT AT&T Stadium at that Palace where they looked like paupers yesterday. They're still in first place in the NFC East, unbelievable.
2: Burn the film. (laughs) Don't even look at it. Trash. Yeah, it's not even something to look at. It's just, you know what it was, you saw it, you look pathetic, you stink, and that's basically how you sum it up. It's ridiculous that they've gone out, and they've done so much to make this team relevant or or this organization relevant again. Whether it's drafting CeeDee Lamb, whether it's getting a quality backup at the time, and Andy talked, and I say at the time because based on what he showed us last night, it's like,
1: eesh. That changed quick.
2: It it, it did. I mean, it was just like, come on, man. you're, You're better than this. You're a veteran player. You know how to do certain things. You should, when you see certain things happen... Call timeouts, slide, blitzers, whatever the case may be. Instead of sit back there, just playing just bad football. That's he played bad football last night, and and I and I don't need to tell him that he knows it. He, you can look at him when he walked off the field at some of those uh, incomplete balls that he was throwing. Picks he was throwing. I mean, it just was it was ugly football all the way around. Ezekiel Elliott fumbling twice uh, last night. Uh, uh, Michael Gallup dropping a football that was clearly in his hands. Like, Michael Gallup is a professional football player. <laughs> and when he dropped it, you know, I'm sitting at home by myself watching the game, and I'm saying to myself, this dude's a pro. This is what he He's a football player. He's right. a receiver. All you have done your entire life is catch footballs. He couldn't even get his hands together. He was trying to figure out how to shape them and turn them. I was like, oh, my God. And then just... Where's that coming from? Why is this happening to the Dallas Cowboys?
1: It's a great question. It probably doesn't have an answer at this point. If it had an answer, Mike McCarthy would be going to it super quick. So you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott fumbling on back-to-back plays. Louis Riddick on the call last night on Monday Night Football. He and Brian Greasy, his partner on the air, always join Scott Van Pelt for the best breakdown right after the game on SportsCenter on ESPN, essentially saying everything he said In lockstep, this was completely and totally unacceptable.
2: If there's one thing every team is saying this year is this. We don't want to hear any excuses. And although their offensive line's been decimated and their defense has been poor, there's no excuse. You're in a weak division. Find a way to get it done. Because if you don't, you're going to be facing those same questions that really people ask of Dallas every year. What is going on down there? In the offseason, it's always Dallas has weapons. Dallas has all these guys that can score points. Dallas, 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 Dallas. And then they have a performance like this
1: fair enough from Lou Riddick on Monday night football, joining Scott Van Pelt after the game with his thoughts. I think a lot of Cowboys fans echo them. The Cowboys haven't been to the playoffs in 25 years. Quick theory here, Key. Tell me what you think about this. Uh, I do feel like the Cowboys look like a fantasy team, not a reality team. The team in reality is just difficult. So Cowboys fans have to put themselves in a fantasy world. Your fantasy team has a disparate quarterback that has nothing to do with the wide receivers you draft, that has nothing to do with your running back, that has nothing to do with the defense you select. You look at the Cowboys and say, Lou said, decimated offensive line. Tyron Smith, who some people believe is the best offensive lineman in the NFL, out for the season. Lyle Collins didn't play a snap. Another offensive lineman for the Cowboys. Zach Martin got hurt last night. And if those individual players, like you would have on a fantasy team, realizing you're not drafting linemen, if those individual players can't protect Andy Dalton, then Andy Dalton can't get the ball to Michael Gallup, can't get the ball to Amari Cooper, and that puts more pressure on Ezekiel Elliott. Is there something to be said that they may have some great individual players? Dak when healthy. Again, Leighton Van Esch returned last night on the defensive side of the ball. But it's like the old saying in basketball, you got five fingers, but what's stronger than five fingers is a fist when you put them together. They got the five fingers. They don't have the fist.
2: Well, the, the, the offensive line is is decimated, much like Lou said, and much like you just rattled off. F- rewind four years ago, or whatever it was, best offensive line in football, hands down. Between them and the Raiders, before Gruden took over, that was like the best offensive lines going. Since then, they've kind of had to piecemeal some things together. One of their guys retired, and much like you mentioned, Zach Martin get hurt last night. Collins hasn't even played, and Smith has been out, uh, got hurt, missing the season. They, as a group, were one of the best that there was. They haven't been able to replace that yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with all that being said, you still got Zekio Elliott. You still have offensive linemen that are paid to do a job and get some push. Get me some push, a little bit. Protect the quarterback just enough. And I know Zeke fumbled twice, and maybe the first fumble was kind of messing with him, playing with him a little bit in his mind. Those are tough plays. A guy, Budabaker, Baker, comes from behind and punches the ball out. You don't see him because you don't have eyes in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. So I understand that fumble. The second one, he just got stripped. Guy was stronger than him and pulled it away from him. And so you can look at Zeke on the sideline, and you could tell right there he had he pretty much was dejected. He was just like done at that point. Then he gets back in the game, and he's running – out of bounds, and protecting the ball with two hands. You can't run with two hands on a football. This isn't Little League. <laughs> and, and so when you look at that, I think all of those sort of things started playing in Zeke's mind to, to a degree. But it's bigger than with the Dallas Cowboys. It's bigger than those players that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's an organizational issue going on right now. It's a defensive issue. Mike Nolan is horrible. They're defensive coordinator, Horrible. I don't even know. I thought in full transparency, as they like to say, I actually thought that he was going to come in and orchestrate a really nice defense.
1: Former head coach.
2: Former head coach, defensive coordinator that a lot of people, you know, they like in this league. They admire his skill set as a defensive coordinator. That's one of the reasons he was hired. But it hasn't worked out. It has the Dallas Cowboys defense looking as though they have no clue or no idea what the hell they're doing. I mean, when Kyler Murray could step back there and wind up like he's throwing the third and launch the ball from the outfield over their shoulders and drop the thing in the bread basket of Kristen Kirk, yeah. and Kristen Kirk can't lose stride at all and walks into the end zone, that just goes to show you somebody's not seeing something from a formation standpoint, a tendency standpoint. And Cliff Kingsbury and the uh, Arizona Cardinals knew that. They tried to go deep several times because they didn't trust the secondary to be defensive for the Dallas Cowboys. They were like, ah, secondary's not good. We're going to bomb them.
1: Mm. Keyshawn J. you've presented by Progressive Insurance. That's Keys' thoughts. Always bringing it strong. What else do you expect? We want to hear your thoughts on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed or be old school. Give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, first time, long time, 888-729-3776. And we're simply asking you, who's more to blame for the debacle in Dallas? Jerry Jones? or the guy Jerry hired as the head coach, Mike McCarthy, the Super Bowl champion. Early returns are in, mail-in voting. Early returns are in 68% right now. Do say it's the fault of Jerry Jones. All of our guests, but again, hit us up. Change that percentage if you want. All of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including the one and only Paul Feinbaum in one minute. But first, let's go from A to Z. And from A to Z, we'll begin this morning with... What else? A little MLB World Series. Game one tonight. Keys, Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw on the bump with a 5.40. I'm not sure you're clapping for that statistic. 5.40 ERA in the World Series? Yeah, that's old,
2: though, man. That's old. We're not worried about the past. We're looking (laughs) ahead.
1: The Dodgers' past has been great. 20 World Series appearances. This is their 21st. Tyler Glass now on the bump for the Rays. He's going to be
2: glass, all right.
1: (laughs) We'll see if the Rays can shatter the glass ceiling and win that first World Series ever. Every game of the uh, World Series is on ESPN Radio. Pre-game coverage. Let's go, Dodgers! (laughs) And that's appropriate because there's going to be about 12,000 fans in the stands in Arlington. We'll see how many of those are chanting and hoping for a Dodger dog. Maybe next season for that. More baseball. Now, this is a story that just will not go away. The Astros' former general manager, Jeff Lunau, again denying his role in the sign-stealing scandal, telling a local television station in Houston, KPRC TV, that he was shocked when he was roped into the allegations. Quote, shocked, and he essentially said he was willing to take a lie detector test to prove his innocence. You know,
2: my mother used to tell me as a kid, when you lie so much, you start believing your own lies.
1: Mm. So I'm just saying. Getting your head a little bit too much. Yeah, I'm just saying. We will talk to Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, and I promise you that's the first thing we're going to ask. I know it's a great day for seam heads everywhere. It's game one of the World Series, but this Astros story, until it goes away, who knows when it will. Maybe it's the gift that keeps on giving for sports I didn't know what they were doing. I had nothing to do with that. Okay. Plausible deniability. We'll ask the commission about it. It's a big story. He'll join us this morning at nine thirty Eastern time. And on a college football note with Paul Feinbaum on deck, Penn state running back journey Brown could miss the entire season because of a medical condition discovered during the off season. Um, This is actually a really serious story. You might recall the TCU quarterback Max Duggan had found out he had a heart condition after he took a coronavirus test. The team confirming that Monday night did Penn State. He's a redshirt junior from Meadville, Pennsylvania. They've already lost Michael Parsons. He's obviously opting out, going to the NFL. The Big Ten is back on Friday night when Illinois takes on Wisconsin. And this weekend, the Midwest portion of the country ready to explode with the return of Big Ten football. And we certainly miss wish, excuse me, Journey Brown the best. It is time for the best college football analysis everywhere. Paul Feinbaum is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. Good morning, Paul. When the Nick Saban news broke on Friday that essentially he was moving closer to. Being able to coach again on Saturday, I was locked in listening to basically your entire program. It didn't become official until Legend joined and then obviously became an official Paul Feinbaum program. But take me through everything that happened that you saw from that first test and then those three subsequent tests to get him back onto the field Saturday night and another win over Georgia.
2: Hold on. Wait a minute, though, Paul. Are you going to work out or something? Because that's not your usual get up. Well, please. You got a little sweat hoodie on or something.
3: Yeah, I, I am. I am currently on the treadmill, uh, working out, watching this show. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, here, the story broke about 5:45 Wednesday, Subin, and and it was absolute shock. Uh, and you know, you understand the South very well, and it was like the world had come to an end. That something had happened to Nick Saban that's not supposed to. And yeah, but but by the next day. You started getting some weird signals uh, because there was some pushback from Alabama. And by Friday, when they announced the Thursday test, you knew they already knew the Friday test because the test come back at, by, by one o'clock in the afternoon central time. So Saturday was, was not a surprise. Everyone knew Saban was going to be there. But what he did was just light that team up, especially at halftime. And you have to wonder what would have happened had he not been there. Would the, would the second half have had still been the same? Uh, open for conversation but it just enhanced the, the Saban legacy as if it needed any more enhancing uh, and it was the biggest win of the year in college football
2: Paul uh, Rex Chapman tweeted out that it was a, a a embarrassment uh terrible message being sent by Nick Saban to coach that game on Saturday what's your feelings about that
3: you know, I love Rex Chapman, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure I understand uh, his logic there. Uh, Nick Saban uh, had a false positive. Uh, you know, no different than, than than you or me or anybody else. It could have happened to all. And it has happened to a lot of people. Um, and you know, he didn't. He didn't say on on Wednesday, "This is a joke. This is ridiculous." He went home. He did what you're supposed to do. Uh, and he didn't leave his house until Saturday. So I, I don't know how anyone could could say that. Uh, he had three more tests after that, Keyshawn. And you, know, you if you want to you know, have an FBI investigation uh, in, into it, that's fine. But uh, he, he was approved. And and I understand the skepticism by some people. Uh, but I really don't believe it in this case. Nick Saban, to me, has been one of the more responsible people in sports, in relation to COVID, uh, and in, in public life, I should say, uh, he has worn a mask. Uh, he has preached a message. So I think it's outrageous for anyone uh, to to cast doubt on on the veracity of those tests. Uh, I really, I, I don't see. I mean, without any justification either.
2: Yeah, Paul. The Big Ten starts this Saturday. Who are the the real contenders coming out of that conference for the national title?
3: Yeah. I- Key, this is all about Ohio State, uh, and I, I think they are way ahead of everyone else, and you mentioned the Penn State situation a minute ago. They've lost a couple of really key players, maybe, maybe they're well, obviously their best player, and, and, and I, I think you know, they're, they're, Penn State's one shot is in two weeks when they take on Ohio State on Halloween. Uh, that, that's an epic game. That's one of the, the most uh, anticipated games of the year in college football, the whiteout at Happy Valley. So that, they have a shot. I don't think they can do it, but they have a shot. Uh, but other than that, uh, you have to really search, you know, is it Wisconsin, Iowa? Uh, you know, can, can Jim Harbaugh uh, do something that he doesn't look like he's capable of doing in beating Ohio State? So quite frankly, I, I think the Buckeyes uh, don't have a lot of competition in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, they have some COVID concerns as well in the Big Ten. Jeff Brom, the Purdue coach, is not going to be out there when they take on the Iowa Hawkeyes this weekend in the Big Ten opener for both, and that's where I want to go with, next with Paul Feinbaum joining us here on the Shell Penzoil performance Sign. If a player tests positive, Paul, in the Big Ten, this is just unique to the Big Ten. They would miss 21 days, and essentially you're trying to play eight mm-hmm. games in eight weeks, so let's just call that three games. You're going to miss three weeks of the season. Other conferences are a little bit more lax. We obviously saw Saban get back out on the field Saturday, but obviously he's not a player, a distinction there. What do you make of that sort of time a player would have to miss nearly 50% of the season when other leagues have such less stringent policies?
3: Well, let's talk for a second about why they did that. Uh, And all we need to do is go back to August 11th, uh, Zubin, and the Big Ten voted not to play college football. And it wasn't even close. Uh, it was 11-3. It was to 3. So what happened was when, when everything started to unwind, the, the Big Ten presidents, and there's two epidemiologists uh, in the Big Ten at, at Michigan and Michigan State, I think they said, okay, you guys want to come back. We are going to put some serious teeth into the protocols. And, and that's why you got that. Uh, it seems unfair. And if a key player, let's say Justin Fields, the best player in the Big Ten, gets knocked out uh, with COVID, uh, that, that very well could wreck uh, his team's chances of winning the title. So uh, it seems unfair, but it was the only way back. And, and I still think you have to keep your eye on the Big Ten. Uh, while COVID has interrupted about 10 or 15 percent of games across the country, the Big Ten, I think, is going to uh, be the most difficult in terms of and, – and, and the Pac-12, when they finally yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. you leave us um, alone. But, because <laughs> – because the presidents, uh, I, I still don't think they really wanted to come back. They got forced into it by public opinion and by by coaches. So they are going to be far more stringent than anyone else in the sport.
2: Paul, I, I think I heard right yesterday on Sports Center you saying that BYU was the fourth best team in the country. What impressed you most about them? Because I haven't had a chance to see them play.
3: Yeah. Uh, Typical Keyshawn waking up, hearing (laughs) half the truth. Um, (laughs) And and that's what they're saying about you in Dallas right now after those uh, (laughs) eviscerating comments a few minutes ago. Um, Keyshawn, they ask you, you you do SportsCenter all the time, they ask you to do a a top four. uh, And I couldn't use Ohio State because they had not played yet. I couldn't, but I didn't think I should. So I'm trying to figure out who are the four best teams in the country. And is it Notre Dame? They, they just barely beat Louisville uh, 12 to 7 or some ridiculous score. North Carolina just lost. Uh, so there really wasn't. I, I just thought I'd have a little fun. Uh, we try to do that in sports every once in a while. And throw BYU a bone. I mean, they, they've done really well. Uh, they, they have you know, beat Navy in the opener. They, they beat Houston. They're not one of the four best teams in the country. But I, I said it will be their probably last, last chance to, to be in here. And also having a little fun with the uh, the holy war out there between BYU and Utah. I remember last year, all the Utah fans were acting like they belonged in the college football playoff, and then they got their their, their head knocked off in the uh, I think it was the Big Twelve uh, the the Pac twelve championship game. I can't remember. Uh, it's so hard to keep up with the Pac twelve but they're like say, a little hey, hey. dot. They're like <laughs> Paul, a dot Paul, on the Paul. map. Paul. You you, 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 you see punches, them, and then man, you don't.
2: You and these punches at the Pac twelve <laughs> just because of that. Well, hey, what Oregon that USC going to wind up in a national championship? Watch, the, just because the you keep I messing cover, with us.
3: The, the, the league I cover is always we. By the way, Zuman, can we get the, the the new debate two minute uh, mute button for for Keyshawn <laughs> when I'm trying to make a point?
1: We'll have to get that going on Thursday night. That's for sure. We'll test it out for you here okay. early this morning. And to Paul's point, uh, BYU's got a great young quarterback in Wilson, and they have tremendous history at the position with Ty Detmer and Robbie Bosco. If you're old enough Jeez. for those guys, we're going back, back, back you BYU, might as BYU. Well go, Jim
2: McMahon.
1: Jim McMahon. They got a great history. Paul, make sure you knock it up to about eight on the incline on the treadmill, and we'll see you next week. He didn't sweat through the entire interview. The dude's <laughs> been on the treadmill the entire interview. Thank you, Paul. All right, <laughs> there Paul. it is. Yeah. We'll see him on the SEC Network every weekday afternoon. Paul better
2: leave the Pac-12 alone.
1: (laughs) Taking some shots. God. body blows.
2: The SEC, they hide behind Alabama, (laughs) and he just, oh, God.
1: All right, real quick, we've been asking you, Cowboys, who's to blame, Jerry or Mike McCarthy, first-year head coach? Jason in Virginia Beach, what do you say? You're on ESPN Radio. You got somebody else you want to take? You with us?
2: Jason?
1: Yeah, I'm here, buddy. What's going on, man? Who's to blame? Who's to blame?
2: Uh, It's got a little bit of both. Uh, Both of them, I mean, we all know Jerry Jones. Uh, He's had issues as a general manager and the owner for years. But Mike McCarthy, first-year head coach, it's not looking good. And Mike Nolan definitely isn't working out with all that talent. I mean, you you could kind of spread it around a little bit. See, I always argue about Jerry Jones, the general manager, They've always, in my opinion, have drafted well. They've gotten talent. They've signed guys off the off the scrap heap. They've always done those things. They just can't put it together. You, can, you can't. I, people always argue about Jerry, the general manager. Mm-hmm. Jerry, the general manager. But you can't argue with the talent that he drafts or the talent that he brings in at value. You can't argue with that. It's just who's
1: coaching it. And what are they getting out of it on the field? You want to hear the best stat about the Cowboys all season? Knock this one out at the water cooler or on your Zoom call when you log on to work today at Zoom. Listen to this. I'll say it slow so you can write it down. I know Cowboys fans are millions across the country. Listen to this, key. Dallas has allowed 14 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns through the first six games. 14 through the air, 10 on the ground. That's a lot through six games. The last team to do it. Give up that much, the O five forty ers head coach, Mike Nolan, offensive coordinator Mike McCarthy. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Put that on your Zoom call today and win the argument. That's some uh, that's some dreary stuff for a cowboy fan.
2: You know, man. It, it. If I get a head coaching job, I'm going to hire you, Zubin. That's what that that relationship is. You hired me. I'll hire you. We'll scratch each other's back. That's that's what we're seeing. They trust one another, and these are the results.
1: For uh, speaking of results, the final result that season was four and twelve. And if the Cowboys mm. end up that way, we'll see what happens in Big D. By the way, that was Alex Smith's rookie year in San Francisco. We'll talk more about. Oh, Alex that was Smith.
2: the year that that Mike McCarthy didn't want Aaron Rodgers. Right? Is that that's, the that's Rod- correct? Is, is that okay. right?
1: Remember, because they took Alex number one and Aaron Feld into the twenties. Still to come. The return of Alex Smith from being the first overall pick to not being able to use the bathroom by himself. Amazing words mm. on an amazing journey next on ESPN
0: Radio. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: All right. so obviously Key's real rankings fluctuate if you're just joining this for the first time. Sometimes it's the top nine, the top six. This week, it's Key's real rankings, and it's because it's his rankings, he gets to determine how many teams are on there. This week, we are going with seven. Last week's number seven team was the Tennessee Titans. This week? Number
2: seven, Green Bay. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Relax. They took a bit of a tumble, right? They, they went from 2, two last they went week. from 2 to 7, but a lot of teams passed them over based on their play against the Bucks. Now I'm questioning and wondering exactly what type of team is Green Bay. I don't think that they'll lose a number of games this year more than maybe 3, but even the way that they played against Tampa Bay gets me to wondering, are they really for real? Now Chicago within that conference and within that division is right there next to them.
1: Next up, Number
2: six, New Orleans. don't New Orleans had a bye. so they just sit tight right where they're at. I don't really necessarily move them. They're in the four spot last week. they're in the four spot again, I mean, they moved to, to the uh, they moved into the spot because they didn't play and now they're going to play this week, so let's see if they win or lose and get back into a higher ranking. Top five here we go. Number five, Baltimore. Big trust. Woo-woo. In the fifth spot is Baltimore. Now, look, the Ravens deserve to be right where they're at. They're a football team that is still trying to learn the passing game. They're winning games, you know, on defense, and Lamar Jackson doing what he has always done, which is run the football. Every now and then he makes a decent throw, and you can win games like that long term. I just think that he needs to continue – to elevate his passing game so they could take the next step as a football team.
1: So the Ravens move up a spot. Number four.
2: (laughs) Number four, Tennessee. I've been
0: doing too many curls, so I got to lay out the arms.
1: Start
2: believing in them, right? They were number seven a week ago. Now they have jumped three spots to number four. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, the defense, Vrabel coaching them up. They've done a tremendous job at knowing what to do against their opponents, getting the football in the A.J. Brown's hands when they want to pass the ball. You can't argue with their record. You can't argue with their play. They have a recipe for success. They're portable. When the weather starts to change and they start to get into December and it starts to get cold, all they got to do is turn around, hand the ball to 6'3", 247-pound Derrick Henry, and they can run from there.
1: No doubt about it. Who's next?
2: Number three, Kansas City.
3: I'm going to go get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. Might be a double.
2: (laughs) They moved the number three from the fifth spot last week because they took care of business. They went in last night and beat up on the Bills and showed us that the Bills may not be for real at all, that Josh Allen is not an MVP candidate. And the guy who is the MVP in this league as of right now, who has a trophy in Patrick Mahomes, Passed for two hundred and some yards, couple touchdowns, they ran for two hundred and some yards, they played defense, they created turnovers. What else is there for them to do? Andy Reid is showing that he's found how to he found, he's found out how to win in Kansas City and get to championship levels unlike he did in Philadelphia.
1: Who's almost at the top?
2: Number two, Pittsburgh. The last game was the last game. This one was just Pittsburgh, man. They win ugly. That's just – that's always been the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, one of those – I feel like I'm repeating myself. Run the football, play defense, allow your quarterback to make the throws that they necess- that they need to necessarily make for you to win football games and not turn the ball over. And that is what they're doing. Chase Claypool has all of a sudden emerged as the number one target for Ben Roethlisberger within this offense. The defense is playing well even though Devin Bush is not in their lineup anymore. I just, I like the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Top five coach, in my opinion. I'm going to make up a word. The
1: realest of all.
2: And number one, Seattle. Mr. Mr.
0: Mr. Mr. Unlimited.
2: Now, Seattle goes to Arizona this week to take on the Cardinals. We'll see what happens there. The Cardinals coming off a big win against the Dallas Cowboys. I think Seattle will win the football game, but if they don't, and they lose to Arizona, Arizona's going to find themselves on this ranking board real soon because then they'll be becoming one of those real football teams. And I know a lot of people saying, well, what happened to the Bears? Doesn't mean the Bears aren't eight. I just wanted them to show me a little sub because I still got the Nick Foles kind of, you know, I still got that Nick Foles thing hanging over me a little bit because it's one of those things that will he turn back into a pumpkin real soon. That's kind of why the Bears aren't sitting somewhere in their top seven.
1: Indeed, very apropos here with Halloween, of course, just 11 days away. So right now it's like the old relationship. I'm already dating Nick Foles. I'm not ready to get engaged or marry Nick Foles just yet. I'm just, you know, the Bears'
2: record is what it is. I mean, you can't argue with their record. You can't argue with any of the success that they've had. They have that recipe for success. Run the ball. Don't turn the ball over on offense. Don't allow your quarterback to put you in bad situations. Get the football to your playmakers. They have that, Z. But I almost feel like I'm going to turn on the light and I'm going to wake up. That's what they have you feeling like. And I felt that way about San Francisco last year, and it never happened. And San Francisco had a chance to win the Super Bowl. If if Jimmy Garoppolo connects with Emmanuel Sanders, maybe instead of Kansas City, they're having a parade Mm -hmm. in downtown San Francisco. But that didn't happen. And I feel that way about Chicago where I'm just kind of like I'm right there, But I'm like,
1: still on the fence. We'll see. Key's Real Ranking has got a fresh look this week, as you saw all the teams flipping orders. A fresh look is brought to you by Sport Clips. Now on deck with text alerts. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Still to come, after nearly two years and 17 surgeries, what was the lowest point of Alex Smith's recovery from a near amputation? The QB with the answer next on ESPN Radio and ESPN News.
0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast.
1: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
0: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
1: Alex, a couple weeks ago, you're activated. Coach Rivera says he's got no trepidation to put you into the game if need be. The Washington football team is playing the Rams. Keys watching the game. Second quarter, Jalen Ramsey pops Kyle Allen. And Key and everybody else watching thought to themselves, there is no way Kyle Allen's coming back in for the next snap. So here you are for the first time in 693 days after one of the most incredible recoveries in NFL history, injury wise, what was it like to simply get back on the field?
4: Yeah. tough to put into a few words, you know, for me it was something that obviously I'd been working for and, uh, you know, knew was creeping closer and closer. Certainly obviously being the two that day, I knew the reality of, I was, you know, being a play away. Um, you know, part of me though, I, I'd be lying. I still thought part of me thought that day would never happen. You know, that I, I, I would never get the opportunity, um, to go do it. And, and, and I was the same way I was, I was standing right there. I heard the hit on Kyle and, and, and knew it was a good one. And, uh, Kind of thankful in a way because it, it was like uh, just it kicked in. I ran, I ran over, grabbed my helmet. I didn't have much time to think about anything. Um, you know, got a couple throws in, got a couple snaps in, and, and next thing you know, I was in the huddle calling a play. And for me, that feeling uh, is indescribable. Uh, that's why, that's why I came back. Um, that's why you know I put in so many, so many hours and and uh, you know worked so hard is, is for that feeling again. And and uh, it was amazing to get out there and mix it up. Uh, a, a little bit. And obviously uh, for me to be able to take that hit again and, and kind of put that behind me was really reassuring.
1: Alex, from the perspective of a person, a human, a player, a father, a husband, I know you're all those things. Take this anywhere you want. What was the lowest point in the recovery process?
4: Yeah. I mean, to me, it flashes back when I was honestly, when my, my leg was basically bolted straight uh, and metal rods sticking out of it uh, and I was stuck in a wheelchair for, for months. Um, couldn't go anywhere. It was helpless. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. You know, if, if my, my wife basically had to do everything for me and if she wasn't there, my, I could, you know, my nine-year-old kid could, could help me a little bit, uh, get, get around the house, but I, I was basically helpless and, uh, spent a lot of days just sitting there wondering what I'd ever be able to do again, you know, and, and obviously then I was just dreaming about walking, you know, being able to go for a walk with my wife, be able to you know, stand up and, and play with my kids, you know, and chase them around a little bit. And, uh, you know, from there, I, the football was the furthest thing from my mind. But, you know, wondering if I'd ever be able to do any of that stuff ever again. And I, I've been lucky. I've been lucky that this thing has progressed to where it is, and, and, and I'm still chasing it and, and doing something that, like I said, I was I had some serious doubt, of, obviously, that I'd ever be able to do anything like this and step on a field again to be practicing football every day. Uh, obviously, thankful, so thankful for uh, the way things are and, and uh, for the opportunity I have.
2: Alex, with all the emotions and everything just running so high, how are you able to focus in getting back on the field?
4: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, the feeling like uh, for me, I felt like I was a rookie all over again, you know, doing it all over again. That feeling, that rush, uh, butterflies, you know, for me, feeling alive, the, the range of emotion. Um, leading up to that and certainly that in that moment was amazing. And for me, I I practice, I feel like I practice a lot of that. Can you quiet your mind, right? you got a lot of distractions going on. Can can I lock it in uh, on what I need to do? And and for me, um, I feel like I've tried to practice that and perfect that my entire career, but certainly I don't think I've ever been challenged like I was in in that moment. Um, You know, and so for me, that was it, call to play, and I got to go do my job, part of the team, and and I got to hold up my end. Alex,
2: man, I know you've been tackled a million different ways by a million different players, but this one in particular by Aaron Donald, what was going through your mind when he landed on you?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, at that time, you're just playing. You know, that's the great thing about football. When the whistle blows, you know, your instincts take over and you just go out there and play. I, I did realize at the one point that someone had jumped on my back. I uh, didn't realize it was Aaron in that moment. Um you know, for me if there was ever a better stress test for my leg, I don't think you could have found a better uh a better a better test. And uh obviously Aaron's a heck of a player and a little baptism by fire for me, so to speak, getting back out there.
2: Alex, how important was it to see your family in the stands when you took the field on that particular Sunday?
4: Yeah, I was so thankful for that. You know, my the first two home games we didn't, no one was allowed to be there. And, and then, uh, you know, we got, we got obviously when coach decided to make the, the change of quarterback and I knew I was, you know, it's going to be the two and dressing. Um, and then we it wasn't until after that that we found out that, that our family could be there. And so for my wife and kids who have been there through everything with me, uh, the thick of it, like I said, the days in, in the wheelchair pushing me around the, the wheelchair van to, to get to go anywhere. My, my my wife, you know, had a pick line to my heart where she's, administering my IVs you know multiple times a day so uh my my antibiotics sorry so, um it, it's been crazy and and so for them to be there with me to kind of share that with me especially my wife uh, uh was, was really really special especially in the sense that they were the only ones there it was like a high school game you know they were about 12 rows <laughs> up 12 rows <laughs> up I, I could I could hear them cheering in the stands so that it was very cool <laughs>
1: Alex, you're the eighth different quarterback that's played for Washington here in the last couple of years. The team's had a lot of changes front office-wise, coaching, organizationally. Everybody, I think, kind of knows about that. It's been a tough offseason, and you indicated the record isn't exactly where you thought the team would be at this particular point. Coach Rivera seemingly has taken charge of the entire organization here from the top down in his first year on the job. What has he specifically done to try to turn this organization around, in your opinion?
4: I mean, I think the first thing was just steady the ship, um, you know, be that, be that influence that, that steadies the ship in in, in all areas and, and to allow us to really kind of focus on football. Now, uh, he's, he's been pretty hamstrung with the, with the circumstances as all, I think first year coaches have this year with, with COVID, you know, no off season, um, they're dealing with crazy restrictions and compliances. And obviously we're, we're all just trying to get through this. And so, uh, yeah, I think with that, like like I said, to, to steady the ship with all the noise going on outside, really, can, can we uh, eliminate all those distractions and, and focus on football? And for us as a young team right now, really about going out there and taking advantage every day and get better, get better every day. Uh, you know, we we are in a division that that is still wide open um, at this point, but 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 for us, you know, about going out there and obviously we need you got to got to continue to improve. That's all it's about right now.
2: Say, man, here you go. Now that you're back, how much longer do you want to do this?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a good question. And for me, that's, it's down the line. I'm, I'm enjoying putting, up, putting on my helmet every day, the cleats, the, the shoulder pads and practicing right now. It's, it's something, like I said, that I, I thought I had some dark days wondering what I'd ever be able to do again. And uh, I'm, I'm loving going out there and competing every day. Uh, don't know where it'll, where it'll end and um, join, and join it right now and make, trying to make the most of it.
1: Hey, Alex, last thing, tell us about that shirt you're wearing with the word attitude.
4: Yeah, this is the, the attitude is free shirt, obviously in a little burgundy and gold um, for me, it's just a company that represents uh, mindset positivity. You know, and for me, I talk a lot about, I think, control what you can control. And this was even before uh, my injury, just as a quarterback and, and I think canceling out the noise and, and for me, the the number one thing you do control is your attitude, and 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 for me, I think you know coming back from my experience in this injury, a lot of people questioning why I'm even doing this, and uh, for me, it's about living. You know, I, I like I said, I spent a long time not being able to do anything, and, and I got a chance now to do to do more than I ever thought I was going to, and I'm I'm going to take advantage of it, uh, living every day, and and for me, it's it's about that and, and uh, not taking it for granted and, and making the most of the opportunity I have.
1: You know, we had Joe Theismann, the great Washington football team, Super Bowl quarterback on our show the very first day. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin started August 17th. That was 24 days before the NFL season even began. And Theismann told us on day one, the Comeback Player of the Year award is already wrapped up. Never mind the pencil. Start engraving Alex Smith's name into that trophy right now. Key, you said you would never come back under circumstances like this just to prove that money isn't the most important thing in the world. He talked about playing with his kids, just walking around, going to the bathroom by himself. Alex Smith has made, in his NFL career, $108,825,000. And he just wants to, as he said, just put that helmet on Again, pretty amazing story.
2: No, it it, it I, as I would tell Alex offline when we had our uh, pre conversation is that that's just you know I t- tip my hat off to you, but me, I'm good dog, <laughs> and I and I understand. I mean, he loves the game and he he he, he doesn't want to go out that way, you know. And so I get it. I just couldn't do it. I mean, it's just the 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 hard work and the pain and the agony that he had to go through just to be able to walk again, let alone try to play football.
1: It's very well said. Still to come, a contender and a pretender on Monday Night Football, and we're not talking about what happened in Dallas.
0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.